Thank you for listening to Only the Important Stuff. I am your host, Jeff Heinrich. It is Monday, August 14th, 2023. I say it every week and I will continue to until I'm done doing this someday in the far distant future, but I absolutely appreciate you checking us out today. Very excited for my guest today as I begin to bring on what I think are interesting people, a little bit outside of my immediate circle, with cool stories or interesting perspectives on life, things, business, you name it, right? And today we're joined by somebody that I became familiar with through Ben Semp and his appearance on Greatest People You Never Met, which is a great podcast I'd absolutely encourage you to check out if you haven't already. Uh, he made an appearance on that show and a lot of that conversation really resonated with me and I thought it'd be outstanding to have him on, dive a little deeper, learn a little bit more about him and what he's doing and how it may translate into whatever you might be doing. So without further ado, welcome to the podcast, Mr. Jonathan Darling. How you doing, sir? Man, uh, I'm doing incredible. It's it's a wonderful it's a wonderful day. Uh, it's raining here in Knoxville, but anytime there's rain, you always know that the sun is is just above the clouds, man. So it's another beautiful day. I love that. That's a good perspective. It's a good way to look yeah. at it. I think a lot of people look at rainy days as, I, I'm going to be lazy today and kind of tuck it in and, and, you know, it's a good day for a nap. You know, maybe it may, you know, they use it as an excuse to kind of feel down, but I love that you're, that you kind of twist that and sun's right out there, man. It's coming. Just got to wait it out. Yeah. My wife's, my wife says that I'm an obnoxious optimist. Okay. Um, you know, uh, but I, man, it's no matter what the sun had to come up and you got to wake up. So it doesn't matter what the weather's doing. We get to choose our attitude. So my attitude is like, let's roll. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's come up every day, right? It has yet yep. not <laughs> right. Right. It's there. You might not be able to see it, but it's, it's like the air, man. Like we breathe it, we can't see it. So, you know, it's there. Just Absolutely. little clouds. Absolutely. Absolutely. So first thing, can I call you John, Johnny, JD, or is it strictly Jonathan? What do you, what do you like to be called? What do you prefer? <laughs> yeah, I get, I have many iterations to my name. Uh, JD is what, is what most of my, my friends call me. Love it. And, uh, so, so JD is cool. I tell people all the time, there, are, there are four people in my life that I allow to call me Johnny. Oh, okay. and, uh, because I tell people I'm not four. I'm not a little kid. Right. I'm a man. Uh, right. You know, but there are four people that I allow to do that, and I I hold that pretty close. But JD, man, that's that's good. Yeah, I it, I don't find so I understand where you're going at going with the the why on the end of the name, right? Because I grew up with you know my name's Jeff Jeffrey, but <clears throat> growing up, mother, my mom always called me Jeffy, right? Like because mm-hmm. I was I was her little boy all those things. And, uh, growing up, I took significant offense when others would start to call me that. Now my wife, she does it as a joke because she knows it gets <laughs> under my skin. And then I got a couple friends who they know that. And they, you know, when, when they can see I'm like on an edge, they do it to kind of like try to push me over. Um, For sure. I I'm way less offended by it now, but man, when I was in my twenties, it was, you call me Jeffy, we might go, we might throw hands at each other, right? It was that, like I took that much offense to it. So I absolutely understand where you're coming from. Um, 
you know, you could call it, a lot of my, a lot of my buddies and, you know, even in twenties when I was in college, they, you know, everybody uses everyone else's last name. And so they'd call me darling. Ooh. And it was the funniest thing, like walking through the mall and they'd be like, darling, darling over here. Yeah. And I'd be like, that's my last name. That's not a term of endearment. It's <laughs> classic. That's good. <laughs> it's fun. Like hanging out with dudes who, who get the bit right. And, yeah. and are always kind of just like looking for that next opportunity to kind of rib and or poke prod, whatever you want to call it. Right. Like that's always looking for the You're joke ready for it. Yeah. It's yeah. The, those are the best friends to have in my opinion. Um, kind of keep you on your toes and don't let you think too highly of yourself at all times. <laughs> yep. Love it. Gotta, and you need them. They got to keep you grounded a little bit. hundred percent, hundred percent. Um, well, let's get to know you a little bit. First things first, you're, you're the first morning guest that I've had on this podcast. So shout out to you. We're doing a little morning coffee talk, whatever you want to call it. Um, I usually do these at night. After the kids are down, there's no distractions. So this this is our first morning conversation. I'm looking forward to this. I think we're all waking up and, and getting fired up and ready to go kill the day. But I usually do a little bit of like an introduction for my guests that I've known, geez, for 10, 20, 30 years in some cases. Uh, but seeing as I don't know you personally, uh, tell the audience a little bit about who you are, what you're into. Yeah. Give us the rundown as best you can. Yeah. So, you know, that's always such an interesting question. And I tell people all the time, I feel like I do a horrible job answering that question. Um, But this is how, this is how I like to answer answer it. I'll, I'll tell you what I believe in. And then uh, from what I believe in, I'll tell you what I do. Sure. And, you know, I believe that from the bottom of my heart, when we love and care for people, that that is the number one way that we can make an impact in this world and and help elevate other people um, to use their gifts, talents, and skills that they've been given to make an impact. And, you know, I believe that is one of the ways that we can lead without having a title position or status. And, mm-hmm. you know, because of that, I've, I've earned the, the nickname that I ended up just embracing being known as the love and leadership guy. And, um, you know, it's, it's allowed me to have a lot of really cool conversations and do a lot of really cool things. But, you know, I've grew up in Indiana and now live in Knoxville, Tennessee in this ungodly orange um, color that everybody wears. And, mm-hmm. uh, I, I still love them anyway, but, uh, I've been in sales for almost two decades and started in the fitness industry, running clubs, was a trainer for a while, and yep. then have been in, um, industrial, uh, sales, selling robots and all types of different things for the last uh, about 15 years. And, you know, love sales and it was the business world and experiencing some pretty poor leadership and some different situations that really made me start digging into what is leadership and what should it feel like, taste like, sound like, um, how, how do we help make other people better around us 
even when it might not be within our authority, because I, I truly believe we, we've each been given these incredible things that make us uniquely us that, that can be used to make an impact in our, in our jobs, in our homes, in our communities. And, um, the, the luckily the business world showed me a lot of my gifts, talents, and skills and mm-hmm. has allowed me to really, um, really press into that. And, you know, more importantly than that, I'm a, I'm a husband, I'm a father of three kids and I coach football. I coach 12 U girls travel softball. And, um, you know, I just believe I was, I've, I've been a coach my entire life. I just, sure. now I get to do it and, sure. and get coaches voice like I have now. And, and yeah, man, that's, that's kind of me. I love that. Love that. And I, I think a lot of kind of what you threw out there is a lot of things that I'm very interested in as well, right? Like, first off, you know, congrats, father of three. That's huge. Thank it's you. chaotic. Uh, so you got yep. 12 to what? So I've got uh, 12 down to eight. And so uh, my wife and I had two daughters. And then, um, three years ago, almost four years ago now, um, we took custody of my little cousin and him and my oldest daughter are six months apart. So they're, they're both in sixth grade now. They first full day of school today. Wow. And, uh, so it's like having twins, but, uh, yeah, so it's, um, it's, it's chaos all the time, but it's, it's incredible chaos. I love it. That's got to be, they must love that, right? That, because I have some friends that are twins and kind of like having your, your best friend built in is a weird superpower that I think you can have in your life. Like just knowing a lot of us kind of go through life, like so concerned with people's perceptions and like what, what they, you know, what they think of us, how they view us, like to does so-and-so truly have my back? And so to like, to have that built into the family and and into your unit, like that's, that's got to probably going to give them like such unbridled confidence in their life, knowing that, you know, this person who's my age, who's going through everything I'm going through essentially at the same time, like they've always got my back. Yep. That's, that's incredible. It's cool, man. And, and, you know, Alex, came from a a pretty rough situation and, and has been somebody that has, has overcome so much adversity in his life already. Mm -hmm. And, you know, him and my daughter, even last year, you know, Alex is not the strongest student, but my, my daughter is Bryn is a really strong student. And, you know, she would always make sure that Alex knew what he had to do and would always help him study and help him, you know, be able to, to put in the work that he needed to, to excel in the classroom and different things like that. And then it's cool because they compete each other against each other a little bit. Like there's that, you know, intrinsic competition of, you know, and, and they push each other and then they support each other, you know, in their individual stuff. So it's, it's, um, it's a pretty cool dynamic. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, and, and, congratulations like shout out to you and your wife I, I i feel like anybody who's willing to adopt 
is just another level of good human that well, we need more that. of. You know, like I don't need to know the details, but I, I, I can't imagine like the the conversations that go on in your home, like you know, either prior to or upon making that decision. And everything that goes into it, was that a stressful time or was it, you know, like, no, this is just, this is what we have to do. Um, yeah, man, it, it's a, it's actually, a, it's a really cool story. So uh, a lot of my family lives in Northern Alabama, my dad and in that side of the family. And okay. uh, Bryn was maybe 22, 23 months old and we had gone down for a family reunion and, um, and we met Alex. He was about eight, 17, 18 months old. And, mm-hmm. and his dad is my first cousin. So his grandparents are my aunt and uncle. And, okay. um, so we were at this thing and, and Brennan, and we've got a picture from that day also of, of Brennan and Alex, uh, swimming together and playing at the pool. Yeah. And, you know, we spent a whole weekend down at my dad's and, and as we were leaving from that, that pool party, um, we're driving back up to Knoxville and I looked at my wife and I said, look, you're going to, you're going to think I'm crazy when I say this. It's like, but I think Alex is supposed to be our son one day. And it, it, it hits me a little bit in the fields talking about it. And cause my wife turns to me and she's just got tears in her eyes mm-hmm. and she goes, I feel the exact same way. And so we, it was just, it was really, it was just a really weird thing. I mean, for, you know, for us, our, our faith is a huge part of who we are. And we just felt like, okay, God has showed us like, this is, this is who our, he's supposed to be our son one day. Cause he was, his dad was in prison and mom was not around. And, and so we had a conversation with my, my aunt and uncle, his grandparents and, they're like, no, we're good. Like we're still hope, like we're still holding out hope for mom or dad. Mm-hmm. And the next five years, man, it was, it was a constant reoccurring conversation with my wife and I. And so in 2019, our, our prayer for the year, you know, we had Brennan Blakely, Blakely's our youngest. She's, she's now eight. And we, we just said, okay, our, our prayer for this year, we knew adoption was in the cards for us. We knew sure. that was a part we had had, we had had some stuff with, with pregnancy. And so that was no longer an option. And we just didn't feel complete as a family. We felt like there was, there was something missing. And so we were like, okay, adoption, that's our prayer for the year. And anytime we would talk to anybody about it, anytime we would pray about it, my wife and I would talk about it. We would always be like, man, we really wish we could just, get Alex. Mm -hmm. Like we just, we, we just felt so strongly about that. And so August of 2019, I get a phone call from, uh, uh, Alex's aunt and she was like, Hey, um, what would you guys think about taking custody of Alex? Mm -hmm. And I was, I was on, I was on a, on the way to, uh, to an interview actually. (laughs) And I wasn't even at home and didn't even have a conversation with Daring about it at that moment. And I was like, yep, when can we get him? Sure. And went home and uh, after the interview and told, told my wife and she was like, when, when can we go? Like, sure. when, when do we go? 
And so by September, we drove down and, and he's been with us ever since. Has it been a smooth transition for him? It was, it was a little rough at first because, you know, that was, that was never, it it wasn't his choice in a sense. You know what I mean? His, my aunt and uncle, his grandparents are in their seventies and not in great health and, and parents weren't moving in, in the direction of getting better. And, you know, it was a, it was a shift in his life. There were some things that made it easier. He was already a darling. So he already had our last name. So, you know, that was easy, but you know, the, the first, the first few years he was with us, um, you know, it was, it was a lot of getting to know us as parents. Um, he had never played sports before. And so now he, you know, we're getting him involved in different activities and, um, football and wrestling and different things like that. And, and, you know, the hardest part of it all was not the transition was him. It was, it was the courts and, and all that stuff, getting, getting custody. Um, and then, and then when we, you know, we were very upfront from the very beginning with the judge, with everybody, um, our intention is not just to have custody. Our intention is to adopt. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was, uh, that was about a two and a half year road. And, um, you know, in, in, uh, May, May 5th, 2021, the adoption was final. And, you know, it's, it's crazy, man. Like we, we immediately felt when he, the first weekend he came up and spent with us, it was like our family's, our family's complete. Mm -hmm. And to see him thriving now going from being a kid who, you know, if you would have asked him what his dreams were for his life or like, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? He had, he, he would tell you, like, I don't, I don't know. He had no future vision for his life whatsoever, even imagination. Like there was nothing. Sure. And, you know, to hear him talk now about the things that he wants to be when he grows up and the opportunities that he has, the friends that he has. Like I remember the first birthday parties, birthdays in February, first birthday party we had with him in February of 2020 um, was the first time he had ever had any kids his age that were his friends at a birthday party. And he just like, when they sing him happy birthday, he just cried Sure, because he had never experienced anything like that. And, and, you know, people can say like, you know, we hear it like, Oh man, you guys are such good people. Like, Oh, you guys are doing such thing. Like for us, it's, it's, we're, we feel like we're the ones that got blessed. Like we were the lucky ones because, mm-hmm. you know, we got him. Yeah. That's outstanding. That's outstanding. And again, it's just good on you. Like super, super awesome for your family that, you know, you feel complete and you feel like it is, this is where we're supposed to be and doing what we're supposed to be doing. That's cool. Right. Like, um, I think for me, like part of, so part of my why of like doing this podcast, right, is for my kids so that they can hear, you know, what I was going through uh, as we're raising them. Cause being a, being a parent isn't easy. You know, yep. there's so many struggles and so much um, questioning 
sometimes about, am I doing this the right way? Am I pushing them enough? Am I pushing them too hard? All those things. And so I'd love, I, I, I want to have kind of like this oral record and, um, that, that they can go back on one day and listen to and be like, Oh yeah. Okay. Like, that's really cool. Like it's interesting to hear their perspective on A, B, C, or D. Cause you know, like when you're in it, when you're in <laughs> parenthood, especially at a young age, um, it is so easy to get lost and like forget uh, some of the, the the many milestones that you can come across. And, and so like being able not only to hear my perspective, but then just other parents and like what they're going in, go, going through as they're doing it is, is one of the big reasons why, like I wanted to do this and like have them hear that. And it's not just me, right? I'm, I don't want my kids to just hear from me. If that, if that was the case, I'd never have any guests on and I'd just do a recap of the week every week. Right. Um, yeah. But you know, cause I don't have it figured out. Right. And I'm not, nope. I'm not arrogant enough to think that I know what I'm doing and that, you know, I'm raising you right a hundred percent and you should only listen to, to your, to your parents. Um, the world's a collective and like, if you can pull from others and like hear their journeys and hear their stories, it could speak to them and help inspire them or, you know, give them a call to action one day as they get older. And, and that's kind of one of the, the big things that I hope that, you know, they can get from this and get out of this. And so, you know, when I talk to people and, Oh, you got kids, like, tell me about them, right? Like, how was it like, you know, going through the pregnancy, giving birth, those first few years, all those things. I, I generally, I dive into that cause I'm fascinated by it. Uh, it's, it's the greatest experience you'll go through being a parent and the hardest. Oh my gosh. Cause you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> you no, know what man. I mean? You know, and, and they can have you, like, I remember when we got pregnant with Bryn, my wife and I had been married right at a year and, and we got pregnant and, and, uh, I remember she bought all the baby books, mm -hmm. you know, and, and all this stuff. And I was like, uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to read that stuff. Like, like babe, they've not had all this. They didn't have all this stuff and like babies have survived. And, you know, looking back, I'm like, man, maybe I should have read some of these, some of these baby books, but you know, it's, it's now something my wife and I intentionally do, um, you know, is, is read certain books or do different studies together on, on parenting to, cause my parenting style, like I, I screwed it all up from the very beginning Interesting. Uh, because I, I parented very similar to my parents, which was more of a dictatorship than it was, sure. you know, um, anything else. And, you know, really coming to this realization a few years ago that I'm not raising kids, I'm raising adults. Yeah. And if, if I don't help show them the power that they have in choice, good or bad, mm -hmm. then when they leave the house and it's now on them to make these choices, um, how have I prepared them to know that, that the things that they choose are, are within their, within their power. Right. Mm -hmm. And and that was a big shift for me. That was a, that was a huge shift in, instead of being like, go brush your teeth because I said so mm -hmm. to, Hey, you can brush your teeth now or you can brush it in five minutes. Which do you want? Mm -hmm. And letting them make that choice, mm -hmm. you know, and, and learning like, 
you have to now if you don't brush your teeth at all that's a choice and guess what there's a consequence for that choice mm-hmm. but that that was there was a huge shift for for me and and honestly it it really started to change the relationship that I had with my kids yeah. um, because I wasn't just this authoritarian parent. I was, I was someone who was willing to allow them to have a voice. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I don't let them. Sometimes I'm like, look, this is not a conversation. This is, I don't need conversation. I need obedience in this situation. And so I, I, I even prep them now. Like this is not one of those times we're going to talk about it, but yeah, man, I screwed so much stuff up, but, I, I will say it's the, you know, being able to coach my kids, just watch them play sports. My daughter made the middle school softball team and she's got a game tonight and I get to go and watch and, and I find no greater joy um, than watching my kids choose to go give effort to something that they love and to be that gasoline to that fire for them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You, you you touched on, I think, an interesting shift in, <clears throat> excuse me, parenting kind of dynamics, uh, you know, just t- touching on the way we were raised, uh, you know, we're roughly same age, um, in, in, at least in similar generations, no doubt. And yeah, like I was raised very much like, hey, this is what we're doing. These are our expectations. Don't mess them up right type of scenario and there's there's always some of that as a parent as you mentioned right like this isn't a conversation this is what we're doing um and so i need you to listen to me versus now you know we we want our kids to understand and you know you're you're preparing them for the real world to understand like if you don't if you choose to do something a certain way you reap, you're going to reap what you sow. So you can either put all your effort into it or you can half-ass it and you're going to start to see different results based on different, you know, choices that you're making. And, you know, I, I, I do that a lot with sports, right? I grew up in a super athletic family. Uh, my dad was, you know, all world basketball player, six, six, you know, all American hall of fame type dude. Right. And, I was never, I'm not six, six. I'm, you know, I was six, three. I, I knew I was never going to play basketball. And like, he, he hounded me on the basketball court and I hated it, hated basketball. I grew mm-hmm. to resent it. I only played it because my friends were in it. Um, and because I, you know, yeah, I was somewhat decent at it because I was somewhat tall. Right. Um, but, but I gravitated towards football and baseball because those were like, he didn't, hound me as much in that right and it felt like I had some freedom and he was much more of a how'd that work out you know have you tried a b versus telling me and it it was I was way more passionate about that I think because of that and so when I when my kids have gotten into sports I work really hard to make sure that they understand I don't truly care how you're doing in this you know you're not going to go pro in baseball at you know nine new baseball or you know nine new basketball football whatever right like it how you do in this game it has no impact on your career right. 
if this is something that you're lucky enough to 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 do but i do get on them for their effort right like you want to complain to me about you're upset that you guys lost the game well what did you do to try and help your team win outside of what your coach is asking you to do well nothing well quit complaining then there you go. right like yep. the, the you're not putting in any extra effort or you did put in a lot of extra effort. That's awesome. You, you gave it your best, you know, however that conversation is going to go, right. It's, it's just helping them understand like anything you want to be great at in life requires more than the average Joe, right? If everybody's just doing your daily two hour practice, you're going to be just like everybody else. So if you want to be better than them, you got to put in a little extra effort. I don't care how much, just, put in the effort and as soon as you start doing that i'll make sure you know you've got the resources you need to chase that dream and it's hard to get an eight nine year old to understand that (laughs) yes it is it's really hard uh without it feeling like you're you're lecturing them all the time well and and man i i struggle um I struggle a lot in, in a lot of different ways and how our kids are educated and, and, mm-hmm. and all of this stuff. And I'm not one of those like solely against the education system. I've got a lot of friends who are teachers and, and I think I would never, I would never do what they do um, <laughs> at all. But, you know, I tell my kids a lot, like I, I don't expect perfection. I expect effort. And even with my football players, if, if you were to ask one of my football players, um, what do I care about? They will yell at the top of their lungs, attitude, effort, compete. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think Bennett and I talked about this a little bit. It's, it's our attitudes dictate our effort and our effort dictates how we compete. And we compete at everything. We don't, we compete in the game. Yes. We compete at practice. We compete during warmups, but we also compete to be the best friend that we can be. We compete to be the best teammate we can be. We compete to be the best student that we can be. And the only way that we can compete to be our best is it goes all the way back to attitude. Mm-hmm. And for me there, that that's where I get challenged. Cause you know, my kids, they hate me when I say it, I say, we don't try things we do. We don't try, we do. Uh-huh. And they're like, well, no, our teachers say that, you know, it's okay to try. And I'm like, trying doesn't do anything. Trying does nothing. Doing things does things. Uh-huh. And then if we, if we fail or if we succeed, we learn from that. And then we do again and we do again and we do again. But all of that has to stem from the the attitude that we choose to look at the world through the lens that we choose mm-hmm. every single day and you know even as a coach there there's i i tell people i i don't live with expectation of anybody um and it's been so freeing to go look i i don't expect anything from anyone Because typically when we set expectations for people, we get disappointed Uh and then we get frustrated and we get offended. Man, I don't want to live that way. Right. So the only person that I can control is me, my attitude, how I show up, the effort I put in. 
And so I just tell people like, look, I, I don't, I want you to be great because I believe you were created to be great mm-hmm. in whatever you choose to pursue. Right. But greatness only comes from attitude and choosing to have the attitude that's going to give you that, that that's going to be the fuel for the effort that you need to put in so that you can compete to be your best. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's hard because, you know, as they're younger, you know, there's so many different things influencing them and how they make choices, what they choose to do, what, you know, what activities they, they choose to pursue, whether or not that that's something that they choose to do for the rest of their life. And, you know, anything my kids do, I say, if, if you choose to do it, you are going to do it with everything that you've got. And, I've got a gym. If you, if you looked over from my office over here, I've got a gym with turf. I was an exercise science major, was a strength coach for a while and all this stuff. And I'm like, look, I'm not going to chase you to go work on running routes. I'm not going to chase you to work on hitting right. or throwing any yep. of those things. It's your choice. Mm-hmm. It's an attitude choice. But if you do it and you choose like, Hey dad, will you help me with this? Or, Hey, can we work on this? Let's roll. I will, I will pour everything I have into you because in that moment I'm attitude effort compete. I'm going to give you my best. I would like the best back. And that's, it's hard for the, it's hard for young kids to understand that sometimes, but I think that's one of the greatest lessons as a dad I could teach them. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think like the attitude piece you know, you, you uh, as we started, right, you said it's rainy day, sun's always shining. How do you, uh, I'm, I'm always fascinated by people that do have that bright, sunny disposition uh, towards life. Um, you know, hell, I struggle with it some days, you know, uh, which is natural, right? So, like, is there, are there things you do? Is there something you kind of try to tell yourself every day that kind of puts you in that right mindset. Uh, you know, cause again, like, like I said, my wife, she'll, she'll say, man, Jeff, you are some days you are the most gregarious, outgoing, friendly, happy person. I think that anybody's ever met. And then some days, you know, good Lord, you rival Genghis Khan, you know, like you just walk around like ready to tear people down or you just, you can just tell you're, you're in an off mood you know, so how, what do you kind of like do to kind of try and keep that positive? And we, I think we all have those moments, Yeah. you know, so like, how do you try to like put yourself in that mindset on a daily basis and yeah. don't translate it, it to kids? Well, you know, like, like I'll be the, I'll be the first one to tell you, like every day is, is it's a battle Monday, mm-hmm. uh, Monday, about 11 o'clock I was standing in my pantry and, and my wife came up to me and she was like, Hey, are you okay? And I was like, I feel like I'm about to have a mental breakdown. Mm-hmm. I was like, I, I was just carrying everything that was, that was going on in that Monday and some, some different situations and, and was just, man, I was in it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Monday was not my, my greatest day to show up, but I showed up anyway. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I grew up, my parents were divorced when I was young. We, 
had some some challenges with my mom's next husband and and his kids and then we moved to indiana and for the first three years in indiana my mom didn't get out of bed she she was manic depressant and so at like 12 13 years old i had my first job to help pay bills and buy groceries you know and now indiana is not minnesota right uh but (laughs) But it still gets cold there, but not as cold. But, you know, we would we we couldn't afford to really turn on the heat in the winter. So we would stand in front of the oven in the mornings to um, to keep ourselves warm during the winter before we went to school. And all of these things in my life um, that were just challenges, man, that I that I used to allow to dictate my attitude. Sure. I was a I was a victim of my circumstance. And it was several years ago that, um, you know, my, my faith plays a big part in my, in my daily practice of getting up and having some quiet time, um, and, and filling my mind with love and peace and joy and, and gratitude. I I journal every morning and I write down three things that I'm grateful for, Mm -hmm. for that day. And yeah, I had a really cool conversation one day because, because when I started doing this, I was like, man, like, I don't like, I felt like I was writing the same things every day. And I was like, man, I gotta, you know, what else can I be grateful for? And, and I, I met this guy by the name of Jeff Knoll, who's a longtime uh, Disney Institute uh, speaker and career at, at uh, a career speaker for, for the Disney Institute. And mm-hmm. he and I were having a conversation one morning on his walk, met him through LinkedIn. And, and uh, he said, John, you know, when, when I wake up some mornings, I say, Hey, I'm, I'm grateful for my coffee. And he goes, but it's not just my coffee. I'm grateful for the growers who grew my coffee. I'm grateful for the packers who packed it up. I'm grateful for the people who drove the trucks that were able to take it to Walmart. I'm grateful for the Walmart employees who were able to stock it on the shelf. I'm grateful for the fact that I have a car that, and he said, we, we try to find these big things mm-hmm. and we don't look at all of the different moving systemic pieces that make all those things happen. And so, you know, those are things that every day I, I wake up and, and I, I, you know, I fill my head with the, the, the thoughts that, that drive that appreciation for just being alive. My, my wife asked me, I turned 40 last this past March and she asked me on my birthday, she was like, did you ever imagine yourself here? And I said, no, I, I, I didn't think I'd be alive by 40. Right. You know? And so, so just being able to wake up and, and even in the struggle, the things that I have, uh-huh my goodness. Right. Like I'm alive. Like my eyes opened. That's something right there. That's a freaking miracle. Every single morning we wake up, it's a freaking miracle. And we can either approach the day like that or we can't. And so, you know, and, and I have days, I have bad days. I have days that are frustrating. And and when I do that, typically my morning routine has been screwed up. I didn't take that time to have that peace in the morning. Right. Sure. And and, but it's, it's that every day, man. And, and it, it sets the tone for my day. You know, our brain has something really cool called the reticular activating system, the ROC. 
and the reticular activating system um, is a is a, a function of our brain that actively seeks out the thing that we think about the most. And so, if you're if you want a car, and you're like, "Oh man, I really want a, a yellow Datsun." Well, the more you start thinking about that yellow Datsun, I don't know who would want that, but somebody out there might want a yellow Datsun. You know, the more you start thinking about that, all of a sudden you start seeing yellow Datsuns everywhere. Because right. before you were like, man, I never, I never saw a yellow Datsun. Now I see them all the time. It's because your brain is actively seeking out what we think about in reality. For sure. So if we wake up every day and we're, and we're poopy pants, what type of, what, do you think the day is going to be shitty? what type of day do you think you're going to have? Yeah, for sure. So for me, it's just like, look, I, I know it's sunny. The weather, you know, the weather in Knoxville sucks today. I could make that be the focus of my thoughts. Yep. Well, what am I, what is, what are the results, right? You talked about you're You're always going to harvest the seeds that you plant. I just, I become really conscious about the seeds that I'm planting in my own mind. Love that. Love that. Cause it takes effort. Right. Every, intentionality. Attitude. Yeah, man. I choose my attitude, right? Because attitude is a choice. I choose my attitude. And that attitude is what dictates my effort throughout the day and how I approach that day. Mm-hmm. And and so that's that's why for me it's it's that it's that choice of attitude, man, that 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 dictates it and, and realizing that my circumstances don't dictate my attitude. I do. Sure. Absolutely. Love that, man. Um, it's an easy trap to fall in, right? And I'm not, it is. Uh, I don't want to sit here and belabor this point, um, but it, I, it, it absolutely is an easy trap to fall into. And I think anybody who's been in a bad situation or in a tough mental spot, as you mentioned, you know, with that RAC, it's so easy to just kind of start falling into that trap and I, it i i think you can break it just as easily with that effort right with that intentionality of i'm going to you know you just you have to tell yourself i'm gonna take these steps when i wake up to put myself in the right mind frame and it seems like you're it seems very fake at first um because as you mentioned, right, like you're thanking, you're thankful or grateful for the same things, right? If you're, if you're to ask anybody off the top, what are you grateful for? I'm grateful for my kids, for my family, right? They're going to list like one of five things that I think all of us are thankful for um, that seem like, man, if I don't say that, um, yeah, I'm an, I'm an asshole because I didn't, yep. I'm not grateful for my kids, right? So you feel like you have to write that down, but and you're going to say that for, for a while, you know, three, four days, but then like come five and then the next week and so on and so forth, you start to get that perspective or your, your perspective can start to shift and you can start to be grateful for um, the ability to have conversations like this, the ability to read and write, like the ability for your to have your coffee or to take a warm shower and it, it just starts to expand and then you start to the whole attitude and the whole mindset starts to change, but it's just like with sports, right? Like if you can't do something right, you have to keep, you have to start slow, 
you know, crawl, walk, run, right? And it's the same in that mindset. And also understanding that you're going to have your bad days and that's okay. You know, like it, it's totally okay to have a, a down day or an off day and just start over. You know, like yep. that's, that's one of the bigger things, you know, working out a sport. I think what we're talking about is probably the most important thing um, that you can like get into uh, with, with other humans, but you know, any activity you're going to do, it's the same, right? Like no, no athlete, no sales professional, no leader has a hundred percent success every day of their career. Right. Or life, you name it. So it's, it's understanding like you're going to have off days and it's okay. Like, don't let, just don't let those stack. Right. Like, right. It's if one day I I tell my, I can have one day that's bad. mm -hmm. That doesn't mean I have to have two. Right. And, and I look at it, you know, I look at leadership from this perspective too. If, if I can't lead myself well, Mm -hmm. I can't lead others. Right. If I can't love myself, I can't love others. You can't, you know, if, if, if Jeff, if I was to say, Hey Jeff, I want you to write me a check right now for a million dollars that I'm going to go to the bank and I'm going to cash and it can't, and it can't bounce. Could you write me that check? No, <laughs> no. Right? Absolutely I was not. about to say, if he says yes, I'm about to be like, what? okay, Jeff, we need yeah, to talk. Absolutely not. <laughs> But, you know, you can't. Why? Because you can't give something that you don't first have for yourself. For sure. And so if I can't lead myself well, I can't show up for the people, the team that I lead well. I can't show up and lead my family well. And that doesn't mean having it all together. And I, I think when, when, you know, even thinking about it from a business perspective and leadership, you can't, you can't expect as a leader to have it all figured out and to be the smartest in the room. If you're the smartest in the room, find another freaking room oh to get my God, into. I say that all the time. You know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and, and that's the other thing. Like if one of the things that I do on a regular basis and it might sound, it might sound like, Oh, I thought this is the love and leadership guy, but it's like, I audit my circle constantly Mm -hmm. there are only a certain amount of people that have access to speak into my life Mm -hmm. and those are the people that i know that i'm going to be around when i'm having one of those poopy pants days for sure and i'm down and i'm down in it they're they're not going to be like oh it's going to be okay they're going to be like hey john what's going on and if i'm in a victim mentality spot or you know i'm in a in a spot you know i battle with i battle with depression Mm-hmm. And I used to be very apprehensive about sharing that. Like now I'm like, no, like I get in these moments. So who are the people that I surround myself that are speaking life over me, that are, that are encouraging me, that are holding me accountable and in, in love, because those are the, the people that, that elevate me and, and push me and lift, lift me out of those funks. And, you know, as a leader, I look at that and I go, look, my job as a leader is, is not to know everything and have it all figured out. My, my job as a leader is to be very transparent Mm -hmm. about who I am, how, how I show up and, and 
but then being a steward of the people that have been put in my care, not so I can achieve my selfish goal, but so that I can help them accomplish their goals. If my job as a leader is I've got to show up well so that I can be that gasoline to their fire so that they can go out and achieve whatever it is that they're working to working towards through their job. Right. Because mm-hmm. if, if we're leaders in companies and we think people come to work because they love, because their only goal is to achieve the metrics that we set for them at our organizations, we are, we're, we're wearing our asses as hats. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Like you can't like, People are working because they have these things, these dreams, these goals that they're working towards in their life. My job as a leader is to be a good steward to help them become the best versions of themselves that they can be so that they can use their gifts, talents, and skills to achieve the dreams that they have in their life. And and the only way that I can do that is to make sure that I show up as my best for them. Yeah. Not every day, but if I have one bad day, don't make it two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And when you have those bad days, right. Um, own them, right. That's what I, that's what I, uh, I, I used to do, used to do all the time is I was, I was super open with the people that I led and, you know, I would hold people accountable and, you know, have conversations and try and motivate them because my whole view was, you know, I'm here for you right? Like my entire purpose is to give you everything you need so that you can achieve what you're trying to achieve on a daily basis. And I would have my bad days and would say something maybe I shouldn't have or snap at somebody or kind of, you know, maybe more sternly address a situation. And somebody would come in and say, Hey, you know, Ricky or Bobby or Johnny or Tommy or Tina or whomever, didn't really appreciate that. So the next day I'd stand up in front of everybody and be like, listen, I know yesterday I came across a little, you know, a, you know, however it was. Um, and then I would try and explain like why I was like that, you know, but I'd say, look, I get it. You know, if, if, if that doesn't speak to you, you know, I'll, I'll work harder to make sure that I don't put you all in that position where you have to, you know, see that or whatever. And, you know, and then I'll thank whoever is coming to me, letting me know, that, you know, it wasn't as well received as, as uh, it could have been because that's what good teammates do, right? Like you, you wish everybody would come to you, but we all know that there's always going to be those certain people that are kind of like appointed as the de facto leaders of the, the smaller groups that they're going to be the ones to elevate concerns. Um, and so, you know, you thank them for bringing that to you because we can't grow unless we're, we're doing unless we're communicating like that. Right. And, um, that's, you know, this is really getting into like what I wanted to have you on, uh, for, right. Is I'm just absolutely fascinated by like leaders and how some choose to behave versus how others don't or whatever, right. Good, bad, ugly, you name it. Right. Um, and I think you can see countless examples i don't have like a white paper in front of me of examples of businesses that have succeeded even though their product was poor due to outstanding leadership but i would almost guarantee you there's hundreds of those situations where a product is inferior to somebody else's product but the leadership on that team was so amazing and so empowering that that group outperformed the other group with a superior product 
or service or whatever it might be. Because like that team was a unit and they were all functioning at, at, a, at a high level through that caring and understanding versus an exacting expectation of what people should do, right? And I came, I, so I was in the military for a while, right? And I've seen all different types. I've, I've been a part of, organi- you know, clearly the military is an organization that is, I said, do 100 push-ups, do them, <laughs> right? Like, well, why? Because I said so, right? Like, which is the worst form of leadership. I understand it in that context because right. you're being trained to be put in a situation where if somebody barks an order, it's literally life and death and you have zero time to question or think. So like in those situations, I absolutely get it. But when you're in like the business world and you're not curing cancer, saving a life or cutting somebody open, um, you know, you better be able to explain your actions or your reasons for doing things, especially in today's day and age, right? I'm, I'm sure you know yep. who Simon Sinek is uh, and his whole, you know, what made him essentially, you know, kind of a an internet content superstar is start with why. And yep. man, when I first saw that, like, I, I wanted to share that with like everyone I knew is if, if you don't, operate like this i don't know how you're successful nowadays unless you just have a bunch of sheep but getting back to your thing if you're the smartest person in the room or you're the only person in the room who can critically think find a different room find a freaking different room as possible because you you can't do it all you need a no. group you know and it, sometimes the greatest ideas come from you know your your entry-level workers right like well, and- Man, Jeff, one of one of the greatest lessons that I've learned as a leader is humility begets honor. Mm-hmm. If you want to be honored as a leader, then be humble. Show up in humility. And that, that doesn't mean thinking less of yourself. It means thinking of yourself less mm-hmm. and think and putting other people uh above yourself, right? And you know, I learned you know, when I would make mistakes as a new leader and I would, you know, uh, I've, I've been said, John is, uh, you know, described as ready, fire, aim. Mm -hmm. And because I'm a very quick to action type person and, um, I'm very assertive and sometimes probably aggressive and learning that, look, we all communicate, but communication, like I could, I'm flipping you off in the camera. That's communication, right? That's poor communication. We all communicate. Silence is a form of communication. Disregard is a form of, of communication. And I had a a mentor of mine, his name's Tommy Hunter. Tommy said, everybody communicates, but people very seldom connect. And so how can you lead in, in building connection and, and being very responsible and careful with that connection that you make with other people and even learning, man, when I've popped off, being able to stand up or, or speak to that individual and say, Hey Jeff, you know, I'm really sorry for how I, how I communicated to you yesterday. Will you please forgive me? Mm -hmm. And dude, asking someone to forgive you 
is one of the most vulnerable spots you could put yourself in as a person, as a leader, as a husband, as a father, which are all leadership roles, by the way. And, Mm -hmm. but the, but the, the nurturing and protecting of that connection, that relationship and being able to humble yourself in that way is, is it's a game changer as, as a leader, because it, it shows people that it's not just about you. Mm-hmm. And, and I think we, I think we, we miss those opportunities to really step up because, you know, when you lead like that, it, it's going to trickle down. There's a, there's a study that uh, I think it was McKinsey came out with that 82% of people within your organization are actively looking for a new job all of the time. And the, and the biggest reason why isn't pay. It isn't any of those things. It's that the people within that organization don't feel cared for by the leaders. Right. That's a simple fix, man. That's such a simple fix to start caring more, Mm -hmm. start caring more about your people and, and just watch what's your culture, what's your production, what's your, your absenteeism will drastically lower by 47%, according to statistics. Um, you will increase productivity by 21%, and you increase profitability by 17 just by making the choice to care for your people. Mm-hmm. But yet we don't do it in organizations because oftentimes we care more about profit than we do people. Oh, Absolutely preach <laughs> right like it, it's it's so true and it's it's super frustrating uh when you find yourself in those situations um where that's how leaders are choosing to operate because it yeah. is it's a choice right and uh, you know they're they're choosing to not recognize all those that have got them to where they are right because there's very few uh, you know, Bill Gates's who, who, who did it all from the ground up, right? It, it, most of the people who are in most organizations didn't invent it. They didn't start it. They grew in it and they get to a level and, you know, goals, priorities shift and they just kind of, for, they forget and they choose to prioritize a spreadsheet over, you know, as you mentioned, like someone's why is like why they're there, right? Because nobody cares about selling A, B, C, or D. Like that's not their passion in life. And I've always said like, I work so I can live how I want, right? And and I'm super grateful that I'm, you know, I've gotten to a level where, you know, I'm doing well and like I'm, I'm, I'm very comfortable, right? But it's not what I wake up to do every morning, right? Like I wake up to be a good dad, to provide for my family, to, you know, save for retirement, to take my family on trips, to be able to do this, um, to, to chase my passions, to find like opportunities to hang out with my friends and create more memories and like things of that nature. Not, I wake up so I can go in and, and be on a nine o'clock pod call of, you know, talking about, you know, quarterly profitability, you know, I don't care. Like, it's not my money. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, ultimately, like, I I hope the company succeeds. That means I've done a good job. But 
man, if we're not doing well, like I'd love to be a part of the solution, but you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not breaking my back for one of, you know, 25 million shareholders, you know, to see their stock go up 4%. Like I, I don't, that's not why I'm there. Right. And it, it's just, it's just amplified when the people above you, that's all they care about. That's all they talk about. Um, and then well, it's, and realizing, man, your, your identity isn't, my identity isn't tied to the roles that I keep within the organizations, no. right? My, my identity is not me as a football coach. It's not me as a softball coach. It's not me as a leader. My identity is, is who I choose to be every single day and how I choose to show up. Right. Mm-hmm. And selfishness is an attitude choice, right? Choosing numbers and selfish ambition in accomplishing a certain goal in within an organization, that is an attitude choice. And it's a choice, like you said, we make every single day. And, and I think we, we get so fixed on the outcomes that we lose the, the, we, we can't see the forest through the trees, right? We lose that perspective that the only reason why we have the outcomes that we're hoping to get in an organization is because of the people who choose to come in and do their work every single day. So if we want to impact outcomes, we need to impact people, mm-hmm. right? I, I look at you being a, you being a Vikings fan, FYI, one of my favorite football players of all time. Um, I'm a Notre Dame fan. So Harrison Smith, Ooh, Hasey, yeah. he is one of my favorite. Like I watched the Vikings play because of Harrison Smith. And back when, when Kyle Rudolph was there playing, playing tight end, Absolutely. right? But you look at, you look at the Vikings organization and I think one of the, and I'm sorry, Viking nation, uh, shout out Brian Porter. Um, one, you know, don't hold this. I think one of the greatest things you guys ever did as an organization was went out and got Kirk Cousins. Mm-hmm. Not that he is the greatest quarterback. He is a really good quarterback, but that dude is a freaking leader. And, and I, you know, I've been watching the Netflix series quarterback with yeah. him and Patrick Mahomes and, and, um, uh, oh gosh, uh, Mariota. Yep. And my favorite parts are watching Kirk Cousins and how he leads his family, how he, what he's willing to do to show up to be his best for his teammates, how he encourages his teammates, how he does all these things. And, you know, I, I, I look at people like that. I look at guys like Harrison Smith and these people who go in and can make incredible impacts in organizations. But if you look, if you look at one of the commonalities against, against teams that excel and perform, there is a selflessness there that it's not about the individual. It's about the overall team. And you hear them express themselves of, man, I love this coach, man. I, I love, like, I love my teammates. Like I love this dude. And we get so touchy. We get so weird about touchy feely with, with using the term love. Mm-hmm. But when you look at the definition of love, it is an action, not a feeling. Our feelings lie to us. Our feelings come and go like like the waves of the sea, mm-hmm. right? But but if I choose to show up and love is patient and kind and it always rejoices with truth, it holds no record of wrong, it always hopes, 
always perseveres. It, those, those, that, that, how we show up in that manner is, is a drastic difference because then see, we, we think love is about us. It's not love is about other people mm-hmm. and how we show up for other people. And so, you know, I, I, I look at stuff like that and I go, man, we, we need to, we need to drastically change how we show up. It's, it's not this Burger King society, my, my way right away. Right. You know, and, and we approach leadership that way. You know, uh, Bob Chapman wrote a book called everybody matters. He's the CEO and, and president of Barry way Miller. They make packaging equipment and and manufacturing equipment. Mm -hmm. And he says, management is the selfish ambition of accomplish. Uh, it, it is management is the um, wanting to accomplish a selfish goal. Where leadership is the stewarding of others that have been put in your care. Mm-hmm. And we got a lot of managers oh, out there. Yeah. We have very few leaders. Yeah, man. Management is not leadership by any stretch, right? <laughs> There's a got. There's a, there's a ton of variations on that, right? Like man and something that I've always, um, taken to heart is, you know, management is doing things right. Leadership is doing the right things. Mm. Right. And you can kind of morph that into a, a lot of what we're talking about, or like the right things are in my opinion, and everybody's going to have a different opinion, caring for people and empowering them and making sure that they, they have what they need and that they feel cared for in in your perspective, like loved and all that stuff versus, you know, Hey, this, this spreadsheet was incorrect. I need you to go back and correct that. That's management. That's just making sure a box is checked. Things are done in order. Uh, you know, you're that, that's not leadership. You know, you no. might think you're in a leadership position, but you're not in that respect if that's all you're doing. Is you know, did we did we do all of the equipment checks before we took a piece of equipment out? Yeah, I mean that's basic stuff. Yeah. Like you can give it you can give a robot that and make sure that everything is checked off appropriately, right? Like it's it that's one of those things like that I am off the beaten path here, like that I don't worry about when it comes to like AI. Right? No. Is, it'll never replace that connection and the humanity that you can show to others in a, on a daily basis in the workforce. And yeah, uh, as you mentioned, like 82% of people looking for new jobs every single day, if that's the path you're going down, you're going to be out of people soon. So sure. Hope you can find an AI program that can, I don't know, unclog a drain good luck with that right like right it's a computer it can't right like you need people to do a lot of tasks out there in the real world you know so that's sorry i kind of like went off on a well ai is the tool right like and we look at these things as the you know i i I made this on a linkedin post i made this correlation ai is a tool it's not good or bad Mm -hmm. it's a tool you know it's the hammer not a self-driving nail correct you know, and, and, and it amazes me that we have sayings like, you know, I hear this all the time and I like little things like this 
if people want to know that takes me out of my, my obnoxious optimism, it's hearing stupid sayings like this. The right thing to do is always the right thing to do. Well, no freaking kidding. Why, do, why does that even have to be something that we say? Because we don't think there are times when people make decisions that aren't the right thing to do. And it's like the fact that we have to say the right thing to do is always the right thing to do drives me nuts. It's like, it's like the saying, and I hate, and people, people crush me for this. And I, and a part of me loves it Mm -hmm. because it means they're at least maybe thinking a little bit, but the whole idea of random acts of kindness, I'm just like, that is the dumbest thing that I've heard in my entire life. Dumbest thing I've heard in my entire life. And people are like, Oh, but why, John? Why is that so dumb? Because if we're only randomly being kind to random people at random times, what are we being to everybody else the rest of the time? Yeah, it means you're generally an asshole if that's how you have right? to do it, right? Yeah. Like, I, I'm, I love, you know, acts of kindness, mm-hmm. you know, but you, there should be intentionality behind it. Right. And if you realize that when you, like, when you show up, and I, I say this as a leader, I, I don't view the people that I interact with on a daily basis as, well, it's just a coincidence. When I go into the gas station to buy my energy drink and my power bar, that is a leadership opportunity. When I understand it is not coincidence that me and this person, that, that cashier at the gas station are here at the same time. That is an intentional moment where I can be kind. I can, mm-hmm. I can care. I can be polite. I, I, I get to be those things. Mm-hmm. They're not have tos. They're get tos. Yeah. I get to be that thing and, and realize that me in that moment is an opportunity for me to lead mm-hmm. and to show that I'm not just another a-hole who is just like, give me my, like, like, People don't understand if I'm on a phone and I'm in a checkout line, I will tell people, you know, I'll have my earbuds in. I'll be like, whoever I'm talking to, Hey, hold on one second. And I take my earbuds out of my ear Mm -hmm. and I, and I hold on to them so that I can engage with that person in front of me. Right. It is, it is intentional choices that we make throughout our day. And, and as a leader, I look at, every single opportunity that I have to interact with somebody else as an opportunity to leave them better than before I was there. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a, there's a great quote by mother Teresa. She says, she says, always leave. It's literally what I said, always leave people better than when you found them. Sure. And, and she also says, uh, which I love, it's one of my favorites that, I alone cannot change the world, but I can cast a pebble that creates many ripples. And so I tell people all day long, I just, I'm just throwing pebbles all day long, throwing pebbles because I, I can't alone change the world, mm-hmm. but I can make an impact everywhere that I go as a leader yeah. to leave people better than the way that I found them. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, not to change gears, but I, you know, we <laughs> we're, we're cruising along here, which is my, one of my favorite parts of doing this is how like lost in a conversation you can get at times. Um, but you, you, you have kind of jumped into the world of, you know, content creation in a sense, right? Yep. Um, it, what made you take that leap from, uh, 
you know, from the, the normal nine to five and, and doing your job into, I want to try to impact people beyond, you know, my sphere, my current sphere of influence into, you know, kind of that next iteration and, and try and share your message with others. Yeah, it, it, it started off very, very, very interesting. And in 2015, um, I had, I had left, uh, a company that I'd been with for about six years to go to another organization and, um, because of leadership and, and really started doing a lot of studying on leadership and, and different things and started writing articles and started and just would make some videos every once in a while. Mm-hmm. And dude, I would get made fun of by everyone, everyone, even, even the, the previous company that I had worked for that had leaders in there that, that I wanted to emulate them and their leadership and their lives and, and where they were in organizations would make up fake email addresses and write some of the most horrible derogatory things that I've wow. ever read on my, on my articles. And, you know, it almost crushed me, man, because back then I, I lived so much for other people's opinions. Mm-hmm. And my wife said something to me, um, when, when I started talking about wanting to write a book and, and some of this different stuff and putting out these videos and, and she was like, John, if, if it was just one person, one person that that's life was impacted in a positive way because of you putting yourself out there, would it all be worth it? And it really challenged me at that point of, of thinking about what success was and what it looked like thinking that my platform or my stage had to look a certain way and had to be a certain size and all of these different things. And I was like, I was like, no, like, that one person would be enough. And she was like, then that's who you're doing it for. And so, you know, it, it started just continually to be more active on social and putting myself out there a little bit more, putting my thoughts out there a little bit more. And, and then what, what really sparked it for me was the relationships that I started building with people Mm -hmm. that before social media had no clue who they were and just the, the power of using social as a tool. And, you know, I can, I can look back to 2021 and, and putting out a post about my wife getting COVID and she's a nurse and she quarantined herself down here in the basement. And my youngest daughter Blakely was crying and really upset, really worried about mommy. And, and I had a conversation with her that like, looked like we don't, these, these feelings are valid. They're real, mm-hmm. but they don't have to control us and that everything's going to be okay, mm-hmm. regardless of outcome, regardless yeah. of outcome. And, and so I made a post about that on LinkedIn, which is my preferred social media platform. And, um, the very next, well, in the middle of the night, I woke up and I had gotten a text message from a guy that I had never met before ever. And, and it said, um, you don't know me and I don't think that you and I are even connected on LinkedIn, but I saw your post and I just want to let you know that you saved my life. And he said, I was going to kill myself 
because of the situation that I was in. And he said, I, I now get to sit here this morning and tell my wife that some guy I never met kept me from committing suicide. And I immediately called him. We still keep in touch and we still text back and forth and, and have phone calls. But all of a sudden that was, that was a real spark for me that, that you never know how the choice to share your story and to share your thoughts on social um, could change someone else's could change someone else's life. And bro, I just, I went all in from that moment forward of, of just being like, look, like I, I want people to know that there's hope. I want people to know that they're not alone. And, you know, and I, and, and, because of that, it's, it's, it's given me a lot of really cool opportunities, but you know, the, the goal for me with anything that I create is, is how do I provide value? How do I, how do I let people see my heart and through whatever situation it is and see my journey going from someone who did not believe that they had a future, did not believe that they were, that there was any value that they brought to the world mm-hmm. that that if if I can see that and and make that shift anybody can you know I, I had I had somebody the other day was like oh man you really need to like record your story like you you really need to like get your full story out there and I was like her name's April I was like April like that's my biggest challenge is I, I don't feel like my story is that compelling. I don't feel like my story is that interesting for me. It's just been, it's just been life. Uh-huh. And, and, but man, we all have things that, you know, what might seem elementary to us could be revolutionary for, you know, someone else. And, and it's, I think it's our duty to, share mm-hmm. our stories and and that's how we connect with people and so it, it just became one of those things that it was you know regardless of the company I worked for or what I did um, most people will hop you know I, most people will hop on a call with me and they'll be like dude like we don't even know what you do like what do you what do you actually do for a living <laughs> and I'm like you know like I said at the beginning like I'll tell you what I believe in and then I'll tell you what I do mm-hmm. and and because for me, it's just, you know, the relationships that I've been able to build with people and, and have the honor and, and privilege to speak into somebody else's life just because they liked a, a video that I put out on, on LinkedIn or whatever, mm-hmm. bro, I, it, it's, it's a privilege and I don't take that, I don't take that privilege, privilege lightly. And so now I, I get to create and, and, you know, do some of those things that, um, that I enjoy doing and, and hopefully impact some people along the way. Love that. Love that. And, and you, you, you touched on like two things there that I think kind of like can be wrapped up into like one question, right? Because, you know, we've talked a lot about leadership and like empowering and encouraging you know, those that 
you know, you work with and like elevating them and helping them get to a place where they want to get to. And I, I'm a firm believer that, you know, none of us have it all figured out. Right. And we're all, you know, kind of on this journey and on this ride that is life in some form or fashion and at various stages and different times and all of those things. But I think a lot of people that are, that potentially, you know, work for us or work with us or whatever are in and or part of organizations that don't necessarily want to hear everyone espousing their perspectives, right? It's toe the company line. Um, and so a lot of people fear judgment uh, from the companies that they work for and potentially like what could happen. And we've seen that a hundred times over, you know, probably a million times over people posting something on Twitter or Facebook or, you know, LinkedIn or whatever, and they get let go because it wasn't in line with the company's um, thoughts. And, uh, you know, most of those are because they post something like really ignorant or stupid, yep. which, you know, I'm not my, you know, if you're going to be a, an idiot, well, you know, you kind of reput your soul in some respects with respect to that. Right. Like, um, but there's also like the fear of, man, if I'm going to put out there, like my thoughts with respect to leadership or how a company should be run, you know, you know, judgment from your peers, your friends, bosses, the organization you work for, I'm wondering like what advice maybe you would give them to kind of help them potentially take that leap or be willing to commit to that if there is any at all. You know, I mean, I I, I struggled like starting this. I stared at this mic and, and my whole setup for a year before I published anything, right? Um, and I, my whole life, people have told me, dude, do something with that voice right? Like do something, um, you know, get into radio, you know, voiceover, whatever. Right. And I was a lot, there was a lot of like self doubt and how will this be perceived when I share my story with the world and have on, you know, are are people going to make fun of me? You name it, right? Like any thought that can pop into your head negatively is popping into your head. And, you know, God bless Bennett. Shout out to him. You know, he started his and I was like, F it, you know, like I'm going like, I'm going to, I'm going to press record. I'm going to hit publish and, you know, let the chips fall where they may. And that was, you know, very, he was, uh, it's a close relationship that allowed me to see like, you know, it's possible. Anybody can do this, right? It's with respect right? Like anybody can do this. You got to find your message and you got to have your why I think in order to like make it impactful, right? Like, yeah, anybody can do this, but I don't think you're going to be successful if you're just, Oh, I want to start making content just for the sake of making content, right? Like there's gotta be a reason behind it. Um, but yeah, so like what advice would you give to anybody who's, who's considering or struggling with, I have my thoughts and I want to share them, but I don't know how it's going to be perceived or if my company's going to like, you know, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Very long-winded question. Well, Sorry. <laughs> well, no, man. I, and I love the question because I, I faced, I faced those doubts. I faced, you know, I, I don't know that everybody would have previous bosses that would, 
take time out of their day from running a hundred million dollar company to make up fake email addresses, to write horrible things like shut your fat ass up, John, and get, you know, you know, nothing mm-hmm. about leadership. Why are you even talking about it? Right. You know, on their articles and, and, you know, but courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is choosing to do something, even though you're afraid. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm, I came to a point in my life where I believed, you know, and, and you hear all these buzz terms, buzzwords about, you know, being your authentic self and all these, all of these terms. But I, I really got to this point in my life where I was like, everybody's going to have an opinion on what you choose to do, your bosses, everything. And And if everybody's going to have an opinion, I can either allow those opinions to dictate my life or I can choose that I get to dictate Mm -hmm. my life. And, and you, you really have to come to this point and, and it's scary. It's incredibly scary. I've I've had HR conversations about John, like, why are you, you know, you post all this stuff. You never post stuff about our business. You never post stuff about the company and you're, you're posting this stuff on LinkedIn. That's a business. No, it's a social media site. Mm-hmm. You the companies just happen to be on there. And business professionals just happen to be on there, but no, it's a social media site and it's my social media site. And if there's issues with what I'm posting or whatever, then let's talk about those, but just realize this is the choice that I'm making to use for my platform. Right. Um, and, and if you don't like it, then I will find another place to go. Like sure. I, I don't, I don't look at an organization as if they have power over me just because they pay me. Right. You pay me because you, I give you the results that you want. Right. Right. That is my reward for producing what I choose to do on my own time is, is, is my choice. And if it's not in alignment, then, then that's okay. I'm okay. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with not people not liking what I do or not always agreeing with the stuff that I post. And, you know, but that's also why I audit my circle also, because there, there is a group of about five people that are allowed to speak. And I mean it that way. Mm -hmm. They are allowed to speak into my life and give me their opinion where I am going to listen to it. And then I get to choose what I do with that opinion. Sure. And so I, I very much so protect who I, who I allow to have an opinion about the things that I'm doing. And if you're not one of those people, doesn't mean I ignore it, but what I choose to do with that feedback is mine and how I choose to show up is mine. And so if, you know, but what I would also say, just like Bennett, and I, I think it's, it's one of the, one of the coolest things that, that you said, you know, Bennett started his and you were like, you know, F it, let's go. It is our choice to step out and to take that step might just be the gasoline and the inspiration that somebody else's somebody else needs to take their step into that unknown. And, you know, some of the greatest things that can happen are in our life are on the other side of the things that we're scared of the most. And, 
Um, I just, again, man, it goes back to attitude. I choose to not let fear be the attitude that I, I live my life, live my life by. And it, and it's taken me a few years to get to that point. And so that's, that's the, that's the advice I would give to people. If, if, if you really feel like in your heart that this is what you're supposed to be doing, and this is the message that you've been given to share, then share it. There, there's no, there's, there's no honor in hiding away your dream or your purpose for your life. Right. And, and so I, you know, now I'm not saying like, go tell your company to F off and, <laughs> right. you know, for sure. you know, there's, I, I, I honor my, the, the companies that I've worked for and, and that I work with, I, I make sure that I honor them as well because I I'm committed to doing what I said I was going to do with them. Mm-hmm. But I've also learned that I don't have to, I don't have to bend who I am sure. as an individual. And, and now it's something when I work with organizations, I tell them, I'm like, look, this is me. This is how I show up. This is what I do. I don't travel. If my kids have games, yep. I won't be out of town. I don't care what it is. Yep. I don't care. I don't care. I, th- th- if you want me, this is what you get. And I'm very transparent about that on the front end. Mm-hmm. And so they get to make their choice. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's super empowering stuff. Um, and I, you know, I'm hopeful that, you know, somebody can kind of take that in and hopefully make their choice and make their decisions on how they want to move forward in their life. Um, yeah, man. Uh, I absolutely appreciate you giving me an hour and a half of your time today. It means a lot. Uh, this is a really good conversation. I, I've enjoyed every second of it. Um, hopefully you did too. Yeah, man. I love it. And you're so good at this dude. Like <laughs> I appreciate like that. Like you and Bennett, I, I told him too, like you guys, you guys have a gift for this stuff, man. It's Thank really you. super cool. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. It means a lot. Uh, it's, it's been a long, it's been a, a journey no doubt about it. Um, and it all started with taking that first step. Uh, and as you just mentioned, like seeing somebody else and like helping them do that. I hope that anybody listening to this, you know, can, can take a step into something that they want to do, uh, within their life and, or, you know, my kids hear this and, and they absolutely love it and are inspired to take action as well. Um, but yeah, I, I appreciate the time. Um, I hate to cut this conversation off cause I feel like I could talk to you for like another three hours, but <laughs> I, we'll do a part two sometime. We'll do a part two. Absolutely. Absolutely. Everybody listening, uh, thank you so much. Uh, means the absolute world. Jonathan, uh, appreciate you taking the time. You know, do your normal thing. Like, comment, share, subscribe, all that stuff. Uh, and until next time, be good. Be good.